Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. <laughs> See that guy uh, tweeted us saying uh, that we were terrorist sympathizers and called us middle-aged. Uh-huh. <laughs> Welcome to 20 Minute Tim's, the first episode of 2020. Very much our year, I think you would agree. And I am joined in 2020 by Melly. Yes. And Stephen. Welcome to the new decade. In fact, new yeah. decade. Feel like we need some sort of futuristic sounds. <laughs> 2020 dial up tone it's uh, uh, yeah it's definitely the future now Um, how have you been Melly how was Christmas New Year because this is the first time we've been back since what a couple of weeks anyway yeah just to let our listeners know we don't speak other than podcasting so this is the first time we've seen each other since before and on that note Happy New Year Stephen (laughs) Happy New Year Melly What's the protocol on that anyway? When do you start? Too far. I uh, think. I think basically three or four days in. Aye, aye. But if you see like an uncle you don't see for a couple of months, you see him in the end of February, you kind of say, "Well, oh, happy New Year, by the way." Cheers. Because by that point, you've not made the effort to actually say no, happy no. New Year to them in any other form. Um, you do, of course, jest, Stephen. This isn't the first time yes, we've been in the room. Um, we have been continuing the content over on our Patreon page with a massive thirteen extra podcasts right? since these guys on the Monday last heard us. Um, yep, we've had the O'Neill years, the Friday phone-in, a Scott Sinclair retrospective, a special transfer window podcast. We've had two episodes of that, dissecting all the latest news That's and right. rumours and doing some scouting on Celtic's new signings. So the Patreon has been going, that never stops. If it does interest you and you want some extra content, check it out at patreon.com slash 20minutetims. Um, the transfer window was a fun one. I'd done one with you, Melly. Yes. They kicked off the transfer window and what we done was we sat down and we analysed Celtic over the last six months and said, you know, where do we need to strengthen? And that started the premise of the Transfer Window podcast. Stephen, I sat with you for the second episode and you we did, looked yes. at Celtic's recent signings. We commissioned some scouting into them. Well, one person who's signed and one person who's yet to sign on the dotted line. Yeah, as we as we recorded that, Klamala was confirmed but Correct. Sorrow was possibly in the air while jetting in but it seems to have been diverted somewhere well, yeah Neil Lennon yeah. says it's definitely going to happen there's just a bit of paperwork right. issues so red tape we we conducted we paid for some scouting into these guys full scouting reports full in-depth chat about them on our Patreon transfer window podcast if that interests you um, but it is the transfer window it shuts in 11 days it's a quick month it's quick um, month so I think we've got one in as we said and Patrick Kamala we have another one too and Ismaila Soro um, mm-hmm. he's the one that looks as if it's head up how happy are you guys so far Melly? Ooh, that's a different, that's a different <laughs> one because we haven't got to see the guys well, we got a brief glimpse of Kamala on Saturday but haven't got to see them play uh, I would have expected 
two in by now, so I suppose bodies-wise we're okay. We have got a few out, but quality-wise, could be better. In January, I wouldn't expect to sign any more than four players anyway, if I'm being totally honest. I think not, that's fair. Yeah, I, I don't think, think there's actually a decent amount yeah, for the January window. I don't expect wholesale changes. I don't think any club does, apart from the famous Tony Mowbray. Mm-hmm. What, did we, what did we get last year with... Buck, Weir, Oh, well, of course, yeah. It was, it was quite uh, feisty towards the end of that. They did get a raft of loans in, but that's, <laughs> but that's because the transfer dealings, the transfer setup had gone tits up under <laughs> yeah. Brendan Rodgers. But this time around, everything seems a wee bit more stable. Everything seems a wee bit more professional. Everyone's getting on, at yep. least on the surface of things. I don't expect any more than four. So to be a little over, well, three quarters of the way mm. through the month, rather, I think two is okay. I would expect it to ramp up with the last three or four days maybe, but I think where where we are just now, I think it's all right. Maybe they're just keeping back this sorrow one for the last day. So no, they, do that every <laughs> day, they, they can't possibly do that. Um, I'm quite surprised at the business Celtic have done so far. You know, if I was being critical, I'd say that Celtics, Celtic have long-term goals and they have short-term goals. The short-term goals to win the league in the January window is probably a time where you should concentrate on your short-term goals, whereas these two signings seem to be more a good point, yeah. more long-term guys. Not not anything against them. In fact, I think Celtic will bring in four. I guess Neil Lennon kind of said he wants four. I think the next two to come in, if they come in, might be a bit more experienced. I'd, I'd like to see that. It think, would be a nice balance if, if that yeah. was the case, yeah. Yeah, I was I was surprised to see Patrick Clamalla make the bench and indeed his debut against Patrick Thistle. You know, he was one that we seemed to spend a bit of money on. Celtic said, you know, there's a bit of work needed done there. He's not the finished article. Certainly our scouting reports reflected that. Um, so, yeah, a bit more experience just to see us over the line and get those short-term goals is, is what I want to see. Um January is a time for people coming in. It's also a time for people going out. Morgan and Hendry look to be on the way out. Kwasi looks to be on the way out. And Vacuum Bio just looks to be on the way out, or at least wants to go out. Um, surprised, happy, disappointed at either of those. Are they all Brendan Rodgers signings? Yes, they are. All Each and every one of them are Brendan Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> Blockbuster signing. Am <laughs> uh, I surprised? No, not at all. But any of those names to be going um, happy... I wouldn't go that far. Disappointed? Yeah. Most certainly not. <laughs> we we don't have MD that Brendan Rodgers signed in his first window still at the club. In his first season, in fact, if by Kouassi goes. De Vries is away, Tourie's away, Sinclair, Sinclair Gamby, of course. Uh, Dembele, all gone. That's quite the turnaround in such a short period of time. Yeah. Usually Celtic have guys lingering about for years and years. Um, Morgan is off to Miami. Hendry is off to Manchester City's sister club, Melbourne. Um Kwasi looks to be off to Genk and Bayo just wants a loan for anyone that will take him. Um, Celtic are right good at finding, leaving players right good homes for themselves, isn't they? Melbourne, Miami. I'm, a, I'm quite I'm quite surprised at some of the backlash I've seen against uh, Jack Hendry. <laughs> I know. Um, it's been, I mean, he, he was pretty, he was a rubbish player. We, we all agreed that from very early on. But he's played and contributed a lot more than Bayo or Kuasi, and those guys <laughs> yeah. are not really getting as much uh, online vitriol. There was a suggestion at the time a year of a year or more ago now that Jack Henry and his agent were at least indirectly linked to the sale of tickets for a Rangers game right. at, at an exorbitant price <laughs> no I'm I'm not Lord sure if knows I, he must need the money if <laughs> true <laughs> I know. I'm not sure if it's true or not but sadly if it isn't true then it has stuck it is out there on Twitter he was accused of basically ticket touting which is very unfortunate if it's not true but if it is true then he absolutely deserves the backlash 
Um, are you sad to see the back of any of those guys, Melly? Uh, not particularly, no. I don't think any of them are, were good enough at all. Kouassi's only one. Kouassi and Bio, maybe people have question marks over them because we haven't seen them, but yeah. we've seen plenty of Jack Hendry. And yeah. to see, to be honest, it wasn't good. No harm to the guy. At the time of the signing, you try to be positive, but was it 23, 24? It had even played... 50 career games he'd mm. that half season at Dundee and we went and bought money he spent a lot of money on him I don't think it was ever going to work out I think it's one of these things Stephen where people sort of say X player hasn't had a run of games now you're looking at four guys potentially leaving the club there Morgan and Hendry I think we can agree that they definitely had a run of games yeah well Hendry uh, the other two not so much but. no no Hendry in particular he played quite a lot last season especially at the start he had a run from the qualifiers from July up till about October, but he played quite a lot of games, maybe 14, 16 games, and that's absolutely plenty. When people talk about this this run of games, it's not a trial. Mm. You need you need to earn your place, and that's in training. You, you don't just get pitched in, we don't know how good you are, so we may as well just play you for a third of the season and see if you're any good or not. No, I don't I don't buy that he didn't have chances, Jack Henry. He just simply wasn't good enough. Melly touches on the fact that he's barely played in his career now, and he's been at maybe, what, five or six clubs already, Um I looked into it. What I wanted to do was find someone who's almost exactly the same age as him. And Luke Shaw is the same age as Jack Kendry, right? And and the comparisons I make, obviously they're playing at different levels, but the comparisons I make is that Luke Shaw, also a huge under underachiever in his career, has also struggled with injuries, much like Jack Kendry. But even at that, Shaw has played more than 100 times more than Jack Kendry has at the same stage in their career. So if anyone's waiting for Jack Kendry to suddenly kick on, I'd be very surprised. It was, in a way, quite similar to Boyata. Boyata had barely played yeah. for Bolton and Man City before he arrived at Celtic. But the difference is, he, he had a poor season, but then he worked really hard and improved to the point where he made himself a mainstay in the team. That just didn't happen for Jack Henry. You're talking about uh, Boyata there. Did you see uh, Jorgen Klinsmann in the in the press recently? No, I did not. What was he at it? For me, Dedrick Boyata is one of Europe's best defenders. Oh, bold. I know. I don't know how much big uh, Klinsman knows about defenders. Obviously not an awful lot. Well, it depends. Maybe Boyata has really kicked on since joining Hertha. As well, long as they don't give him the ball, it should be fine. <laughs> well, that was, that's what we said for a long time on this podcast. That would put him up there with uh, your man Lovren at Liverpool. He declared himself one of the oh, best defenders yes. in Europe. So a, a central pairing of Lovren and Boyata, make it happen. Both worked under Brendan as well. So they did, yeah. Before we move on at the Partick Thistle game today, I noticed with interest that Lawrence Shankland has been linked to Celtic. 24 games, 24 goals for Dundee United. Um, do There's a lot of talk, you know, is he the level Celtic should be going for? Is he a flash-in-the-pan striker who's good at the low levels, or is he the next Jamie Vardy sitting and waiting, Melly? Definitely not the Jamie Vardy for me. Gary Hooper? Nope, nope, nope. Probably similar to Lewis Morgan. Look, he'll stand out down there. He could maybe make a step up to a Premier League team yeah. below Celtic Rangers and if he gets a supply he'll get goals but I went to the Partick Thistle Dundee United game last week and he got a hat-trick fair enough the second one was a, a good run and finish but I don't think he contributes enough and it wasn't as if I came away from that game after scoring a hat-trick thinking he can step up it's just not for me I think if we're looking at our options now Edward Griffiths and Klamala will all be ahead of him so what's what's the need for him? I can see Shanklin at like a Hibs or something like that yeah. I think that would probably be his level They could have got him the summer for nothing and no Scott Premier League yeah, exactly. can get yeah. a chance on him it, it, should, it deserves a chance at a higher level but what I would say is that 
outside of Scotland, it happens quite often. Maybe in England, you get players who are specialists at lower league and then they've never been able to make the step up. The Huckabee, I think. Yeah, yeah, Huckabee. Bobby Zamora was another one. That Patrick Bamford as well, who every time he he takes a step up to the the next level, he's unable to score. It's unfair of me to say that about Shanklin because he never has played at the the higher level, but I'm I'm not buying it at Celtic level, no. He clearly... The big old cliche knows where the goal is. Yep. You don't yeah. score twenty four goals in twenty four games accidentally, but there's a huge step up from something like that to Celtic. Less of a step up to, as I said, the hips or the hearts or Motherwell. Take your pick, but nah, I'm not. I'm not buying that. Not for me. Um, I think there's there, Not for me, Jeff. No, not for <laughs> me. I think this, like like we've all said, the step up is. You know, to be a professional footballer at Celtic. Yeah. You know, he's already what is he? He's twenty four years old, and as you said, Mel, he's had opportunities. Is to he twenty four? I, I was, I thought nineteen or something. See, like I mean, that. he's I not a young player. Yeah, exactly. It's, I think the step up is too much. He probably would have made the step up already yeah. if he had it in him. So, well, he's the same. It falls in exactly what I've been talking about. He's almost exactly the same age as Jack Henry, and yeah. so I can't really say Jack Henry is such and such, but Lauren Shankland is has more potential. As I didn't realize he was twenty four. So no, firm no for me. You said it, Millie, he scored a hat-trick against Partick Thistle last week, which is more than Celtic could manage. (laughs) Um, We were at Partick Thistle for the Scottish Cup tie. You recorded a Millie in the match. I enjoyed that thoroughly. 20 minutes of immediate post-mass reaction. Where did you record this one? The, what's the train spot and pub called now down on Queen Margaret Drive? Oh, it used to change the name. Yeah, no, it, it used uh, to be the... It's Franco's now. Yeah, Franco's. Free plug, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we recorded an episode of uh, Mail in the Match, which is our immediate reaction podcast recorded yeah, after. Yeah, beer garden out the back with huts you can sit in. So oh, yeah, well worth interrupting right. for that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 which is available on Patreon if you want to go and check it out. Um Celtic trialed yet another new formation at this game. Starting to wish we would stop trialing formations, to be honest <laughs> with you, Melly. What was this one? What did, what formation did we pluck out of the bag this week? It was the four four two diamond. So we had Brown sitting at the base with McGregor and Cham in front of that, and then Rogic behind Edward and Griffiths with the two fullbacks of Taylor and Frimpong, providing all the width there. Yes, um, well. Meant to provide the link, <laughs> well, well, that was that was the that was the idea. Uh, Lee Griffiths was back. Um, he's scored his first goal since August yep. for Celtic. Yeah, his first start since the filming in August. But he did. He started against Cluj, didn't he, in yep. December? Yeah, that was his first um, domestic. Yeah, his domestic first domestic start since August. A, a few things are coming full circle in this podcast already because Patrick Thistle for Hill was the the scene of Jack Henry's most famous moment for Celtic with that time where he got, oh, yes. he got lost in the middle of the pitch and started <laughs> dribbling backwards and forwards. Also, his final opponents for Celtic as well, because it was this season, weirdly. The 5-0 Neil game? Neil Lennon inexplicably played him for about 13 minutes against this one in the 5-0 game, of course. So that was good night, sweet prince that day. We also saw the introduction of Patrick Clamalla on the bench, as we mentioned, he made his debut in this game. Um, but Melly, you weren't particularly impressed with this formation at the on the night, I kind of gather? No, I wasn't. Well, I thought looking at it before the game, I was a bit excited because look, it was something different and it was three long weeks since the hoops were there. Yeah, yeah. Because I was so desperate for the hoops to come back. I'd been away for a good few days. I went straight to the game. I was looking forward to it, and then it, they just didn't seem to show up again. Mm. I thought, we'd come out flying. Fissel really struggling at the bottom of the championship. We'd already beat them 5-0 five, five this season. I thought we'd come out flying, but it just seemed a bit passive. Mm. Uh, I was maybe a bit negative on the At The Match uh, podcast, but 
I went there, I was stood in the cold, waited three weeks for Celtic, and then they didn't deliver at all. There wasn't much integrate play, there wasn't much link up, there wasn't enough width. It just seemed the midfield it was just too slow. What a fight. Look, we are missing wingers right now. There's no Forrest, yeah. there's no Elianusi still, no Johnson, Ryan Christie suspended and injured. That's three out of four of them would have started that if they were fit. Marion Schwed, a new signing, Neil Lennon said that would make the bench. <laughs> so, Ever of two left backs on yeah. the bench as well. There was a, a distinct lack of wingers on the bench, even though we did have Arzani and possibly if you're going to put Johnny Hayes out there. So maybe the diamond was down to necessity. Yeah. But I think a diamond could work, but not with the players that played in that match. The midfield is not get any energy, not get any drive in it, and it really showed. When you say you were quite negative on Melly at the match, did you do the, the sort of digital version of, I've paid for my ticket, I'll say what I want? Yes, <laughs> all, th- all three of them must have. <laughs> I, I've got to say, Melly, my, my feelings sort of echo yours. Without being too harsh on the team, I was like, right, this is an opportunity for a couple of goals, yep. you know, right back, back with a bang after the bye. You kind of get an easier game in this. It was, it was all about turgid, it was all a bit slow and it's not as if Partick Thistle were doing and I didn't feel like watching the game Partick Thistle were doing an awful lot to keep us out of the game we had a lot of the ball we had a lot of shots but there's just no yeah. no spark zing or pop see we've just said there about being away for a couple of weeks being in Dubai I think we as fans it's not entirely our own fault because I think the club and people when they come out and speak they lull us into thinking that this winter break is just it's like a miracle drug it's a miracle cure it's going to fix everything we're going to go away for three weeks it's it's not a jolly we're going to be working on certain things we all think oh, it's going to be brilliant when they come back it's going to be so good and then it's a wee bit of a letdown last year it was it was Airdrie they came yeah, back to mm-hmm. and it was Timo Weir who scored the goal that was okay as well but this was a, was a bit of a damp squid a few other notable returns I suppose we should talk about Jozo Simonovic made his appearance after 8 minutes Beton going off with an injury ah now I remember why I wasn't that bothered about giving near beat on a contract in the first place because <laughs> <laughs> that's him out for what the whole 3 years now? probably um, now I remember why doesn't he play that often near beat on I, I, was, I was gutted for him because it, when he signed his new contract what I said was I just want to see him become something if you mm. know I mean I want him to cement himself as either a midfielder or a defender or whatever the hell he's going to be I just don't want to see him get injured again and well, here we are a matter of weeks later and he's he looks like he's got another bad one so it's a shame Jozo encouraging to see him back uh, the commentary team made a bit of a mistake I think in commentary by saying the commentary team in commentary weird that um, the commentary team said that he hadn't played since the Scottish Cup final last season but that's a lot of piss he played in a few of the qualifiers this season he played right up until AIK I'm pretty sure he got get, he get injured either in that game or shortly afterwards so he's definitely played this season however he has been out for a while though Griffiths had a lot to say on social media with the arrival of Patrick Clamalla. In fact, a lot of people had a lot of things to say about Griffiths, mm. um, which I think prompted the reaction, you know, the fingers in the ears <laughs> yeah, emoji yeah. that he put. I think it was all about telling the people that were criticising him to shut up and let him play his football. Um, he played in the game, he scored in the game, Melly. He came out after the game and says, a lot of ex-pros and pundits have written me off, but I'm here to show people my, my time at Celtic is not done. What did he show you in the stand when he was playing for all of... Was it 80-odd minutes he got? Yeah, well, he, got, he got his goal, but... I just don't think him and Edward link up well together. I think maybe a different partner for each of them. It, it might be work up two up front, but we've seen now for what three years, three seasons they've been together. It's that was I can't really think of any game where it's mm. 
done done as any good in Sh- uh, Sean. Maybe him and Dembele worked one or two times. Remember they linked up yeah. for the goal in the cup semi final against Rangers. But Lee Griffiths, he got a goal. Delighted with that for early goal. This will kick us off. Get his confidence down. But very few chances in between that, and very and not a lot of link up between him and Edward. And then because there was no wide feeder from with natural wingers, the two fullbacks didn't get forward enough for me. Yeah getting crosses in for him or Edward to no. be linking up or getting on the end of there was one moment where Griffiths slipped Edward through which I thought he's I thought he's deliberately trying to look like he's he's linking up with Edward because it's often the criticism that he can't play with another striker Griffiths is you know we've said it on here he's too greedy he takes well not too greedy but he's at times overly keen to score yeah. when maybe there's other options on. There was one time where he slipped through Edward through. Edward he kinda of moved on his left and just got crowded out. But um other overall it's great to see Griffiths back. He had one header as well, I'm pretty sure that he'd threatened with again that was pretty much it for the rest of his game. Where I stand on Griffiths is exactly what I said the last time he got back into the team and scored was that I'm just going to leave him to it just now. I'm just going to yeah. hold my counsel because we've been here before. Yeah. I've been here now probably three times where Griffiths has burst back onto the scene, announced himself for the goal. Even as recently as this season, he's got three, three or so goals uh, in qualifying. I'm just going to see how it plays out. I'm not going to comment too far on it where I, I say, right, he needs to do this, he needs to do that. That's him, he's back with a bang. I'm just going to leave it for a few weeks and see see where Griffiths is. Uh, the back four sort of came in for a lot of criticism, more criticism than the front two. Um, Taylor came in for criticism, Melee for having a good first half but not really doing anything. The second half, Jozo Simonovic, Neil Lennon called him flawless. Stephen, I have my own thoughts on that. <laughs> Flawed, yeah, I would say yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Jozo, uh, I thought rusty. To be mm. perfectly honest, um, can be expected. Yeah, oh, definitely. Long. As I say, it has played more recently than the commentary team let on, but it's still been ages. I was. August, probably early August since the last time he played and he's never too far away from an injury, Jozo Semenovic so it's good to see him back involved because we definitely need centre halves but I thought he was very, very rusty caught under the ball a couple of times, caught out of position it, I thought, I think the, I think this both centre halves Zach Rudden gave them too much to do for a player yeah, of Zach Rudden's quality Yeah, I, I'd probably agree with that, that Julian wasn't Particularly, he didn't cover himself in glory in an incident we'll talk about later on as well. But I thought Jozo, he looked a little bit rusty. The incident towards the end of this first half where Kenny Miller, oh, imagine we were sitting here having to talk about a Kenny not Miller. Again. Like, no, <laughs> so not again. But he almost scored. They hit the, the upright from pretty much point blank range. A difficult chance to take, but he and Brown got, himself, got themselves into an awful lack of communication down that um, Patrick Thistle's right hand side. Brown. Wasn't blameless either. He just basically flicked it over Jozo's head. But Jozo, he shouldn't have been attacking that in the first place. Mm-hmm. He just left his man and just ran aimlessly towards the ball. So there was a little bit of, again, to be expected, a little bit of lack of communication, a wee bit of disconnect between Jozo and his surrounding players. But I'm not, I'm not going to get too worried about it. Got away with it in in this game, but hopefully he can blow off the cobwebs a wee bit in the the coming games. That was. Really, all Thistle had there wasn't. Yeah. Although we were one 0 up, and it was maybe look they could score at any minute here. Obviously, one 0 it's a very dodgy result. But I didn't feel we were ever not in control of the game. But I don't feel we we really pressed on and tried to punish yeah. them. 
It was 1-0 and the second goal killed it as a tie, but it was a long, long time in coming and mm. that crossover for Miller. Frimpong's, he's not without blame there as well. He didn't have a clue where Kenny Miller was despite having a look and then he yeah. just completely lost him. But if we'd have lost that, I think it probably would have been unfair on Celtic because we had one or two chances in the first half, but nothing nothing concrete. There's a lot of talk that Neil Lennon might be in the market for another left-back Bowling goalie made the bench in this one, along with, I suppose, third choice or second choice left back, Johnny Hayes, whatever you want to call it. And Taylor got a start. Taylor in midweek was saying that he knows that, you know, opportunities are difficult to come by at a big club like Celtic. You need to get your head down, work, and then take it when it comes. Do you think he made a, a claim for making that a f- his starting berth? I really wanted me to do well first half. He was good. He got forward quite a bit, but second half, maybe not so much. Look, looking at that team, there's a lot of players that haven't played a lot of football Griffiths, yeah. Jozo, Rogic, Greg Taylor, all haven't played a lot of football, so there's maybe a bit of rustiness. And New Cham f- at times as well, and yeah, Cham's yeah. in and out, yeah. New formation, so it uh, was getting a bit used to that, and a lot of players out, out injured. Look, I would step right in there. Forrest, yeah. Christie, El Unicef would be yeah. straight in there. So we are missing players, but I just it was all a bit disjointed. I thought getting a lot of good midfielders, good passing players, or into the one midfield might might be good, we'd be able to rip them apart, but we didn't seem to get any width going beyond that midfield mm. and getting balls in, and it was all a bit slow and passive, just lacked that energy in there. Taylor, I thought, was okay in the first half. Maybe guilty of trying a wee bit too hard. You've just spoken, Jamie, about how he, he knows he knows the pressure that's on him, he knows how difficult it's going to be to keep his spot, maybe trying a wee bit too hard. He was heavily involved in the first goal, as yeah. we said, Although, having said that, he dribbled forward, took a honking touch and then got the break of the ball when someone closed him down and, and he was away. So, it, it was it was involved going forward, but I thought the second half was one to forget for him. I think that's only his fifth start for Celtic, so I'm not going to make a decision on him. I'm still unsure about Ball and Gully, but what, I, the, what he's had is an awful lot more games. He's mm. a pretty much half a season unchallenged but not unchallenged but he's he's had basically an he's had the famous run of games yeah he definitely has yeah 27 or 28 games been a bowling goalie and Taylor has only had the you know five or six so I'm I'm reserving judgment on him I think like Melly I want him to do well I want how good would it be if we had two genuinely good left backs yeah at at the club at the same time vying for a position that was previously held by one man and one man definitely only for (laughs) for quite a long time apart from Izagiri it it would be great for both of them to kick on but I don't think he looked all that great in this game there's a, a few people saying like that's basically his his chance gone. Get Bowling Gully nah. back in the team again. I'm not I'm not against Bowling Gully coming back into the team, and he probably will. But I'm not I'm not willing to write right. Taylor off just nah. yet. No, nah, not not nah, not for me. I don't think writing Greg Taylor off at the moment is a bit harsh. He, he's someone that I feel you know does need the run of games that people yeah. talk about. You know, given five or six games. Even he seems like someone that you could say to him, take him aside and say just the things he's reading in the press. He seems like a confident guy. He knows he's got to work hard. So you could say to him, look. You're getting the next four games. Prove it or lose it. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think both fullbacks in this game were we guide a wee bit yeah. as well. They were they were very lightweight, um, and there's, there's only a certain amount you can do about that. You kind of just grow them. Um, but I'd say we do need a little bit more physical presence at times. And El Hamid, obviously, unfortunately injured, but 
I think we're going to the well a wee bit too often with Frimpong at this stage of the season. Mm-hmm. We all love Frimpong in this podcast. We've hyped him up. I've even said things like he's a potentially a better than belly level signing, but I feel like we're we're running him dry a wee bit. Um, what did, what did we say? We did say a couple of a uh, couple of episodes ago. You know, this is going to help with Frimpong. He's oh, going to yeah. have bad games. Yeah, he's going to he, you know that old you know inconsistency youth. He's going to have bad games, and he's some of his games. Whilst they not be bad, you know, for bowling goalie or Taylor dropping below the level that we're used to for Impong, it's yeah. going to stick out a wee bit, and, and that's just what's that's just what's happening. He um, was involved, to be fair. Oh yeah, we'll to, come to, to that. <laughs> so, offside, couple of penalties <laughs> uh, didn't go very well for him. I thought I, I'm unsure in the penalty. I think if it's it goes, I get if a penalty gets given against Celtic, if for that, I'd, be, you mean, yeah. I'd be furious. But when it's my guy going down like that, that should be a penalty. But it's a difficult one. Uh, yeah, it was it was soft, wasn't it? But I think it's a penalty, to yeah, be honest. It's a, it's a, shove. Yeah, the guy makes no attempt to play the ball and he just shoves him in the back. It was It's light, but I've said on here before, if you do enough to divert the player's course, if you if you turn his shoulders, that then it causes him to fall over, I causes him to lose his balance. It's definitely a penalty. He used both hands, didn't he? Well, well, it was a more like kind of extension, like kind of leaned in with the elbow and then uh, pushed shoved him. him into the back. Yeah. I don't think he made any effort to get the ball, which no, is the key, no, which is the key thing for well, me. We, we can solve this uh, if you just go downstairs and get Mrs. Crumbs and you bring <laughs> her up here <laughs> yes. and see how how she stops the Gordon Strachan <laughs> post match. I'm sorry, tremendous. What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, he was he was talking about how. Like, <laughs> What led to it was Stephen Craigan in commentary said it wasn't a penalty because uh, Frimpong had the choice to stay on his feet and he went down instead of chasing the ball. Strachan's point after that was that, no, look, he's been shoved in the back. If he's going at that speed, he's going to go over. Like, if you like, try it in the wife and if he's like, nervous <laughs> looking at him, like, <laughs> Strachan, you've got, you want to behave yourself and He's got previous, you know. I'm sure Strachan's got previous. I love his jacket though. Did you see the picture oh, of his jacket? It's huge. It's so Harry Hill collar. Count Strachan. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely great pattern. Whoever that was, congratulations. But hey, uh, Stephen Craigan roundly ridiculed for his opinions at half time. Um, but the penalty, aye, it was de- a definite penalty. You could make the argument that it was not quote saft but yeah. I think it, it was a foul I think anywhere else in the pitch if you just run over and shove a guy in the back it, it's going to be blown up for a foul so I think it was um, unfortunate not to be given although the ref speaking of previous what is it Muir Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a pass there as well. Was he not uh, the Ronnie Dyla game? Yes, I believe yes. he was the referee. The uh, most infamous handball in Scottish football history. I noticed Celtic uh, got stung with a dodgy offside decision. Um, the most ridiculous offside decision I've probably ever seen. However, I'm very disappointed in Celtic. We are now how many hours shy of the game? Um, not a peep. Not a no. not a statement. Where's VAR? Where's our VAR? That's what Celtic <laughs> should be asking. They should be given a list of things that we missed out on and requesting VAR because that's the done thing now, apparently. The still of this incident it's is insane. absolutely brilliant. Someone has drawn a big bendy line right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy mistake to make. Uh, that is an absurd decision. Absolutely. It's one of those ones where yeah. this is what I wanted. This is. You'd never get an explanation for decisions, right? But that yeah. one was, you know, the, the penalty you could say, like, I think this happened or I thought that happened. Just go to the linesman and say, what do you think happened there? Because I'll tell you what it was. A linesman would be like, I was half asleep and I zoned out for a minute. And when I looked back, a Partick Thistle defender had his hand up and I just blew. Yeah, that, that's aye. probably what happened. I bet it's exactly what yeah. happened, yeah. 
It's your only job, but <laughs> that is the thing. Like linesmen, linesmen often get as much benefit of the doubt as referees. Yeah. But people forget, as Billy said, the linesman is there really only to do one thing. That's all he's there to do. Yeah. No, we don't. We're not looking for. Vars down south is just completely ridiculous. You know, right. like a hair or a pixel offside. There was three players playing Celtic onside, two deep and one not and, so deep. And they're not even in line. They're, <laughs> not even, they're not even close to being in line. They're not even... Like, there was miles in between the most potentially offside part of Lee Griffiths and the defenders that were miles Stuck apart. another human in between. <laughs> Stick another Lee Griffiths in between them. It's an absolutely ridiculous, hilarious decision. Lee Griffiths, of course, did get his goal, Martin. Yeah, it's just a poacher's goal from Lee Griffiths. Uh, Taylor goes down the left, as Stephen mentioned. It goes to Edward, plays in Rogic. Maybe a wee slight, sign of rustiness there from Rogic. His first touch is usually spot on, but the first touch of the right foot. Defender comes across and sort of tries to clear it, but just puts it straight in a Griffiths path. And there he is. To easy finish, but you have to be there to score it. Yeah, and I think in this game, I think quite a lot of players, I think everyone got to do their shit. Yeah. So Lee Griffiths got to the score his, his poacher's goal. Tom Rogic got to do his flashes of brilliance punctuated by long spells out of the game. But I, th- I, th- I actually thought Rogic was, was decent in the game. And then Cham got to do his trademark wild oh, shiter of a shot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely three miles over the bar. So everyone got to do their stuff. Did, you see, the, did you see the picture of Cham and Edward and all that out for um, Edward's birthday? Tremendous. Oh, oh yeah. The drip. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, you couldn't even move for it. And then Cham's got like the... The diamond... Um, N20. N21. I, I don't want to call it a necklace, because it's not no. a necklace, but whatever it is. Um, I love one of those old... Medallion type aye, thing. The death row things where they show white ones. Absolutely bollerific. If, <laughs> if I could only just show a wee bit more of that on the pitch, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd, be, I'd be more impressed. Um, Celtic did score another goal through the man who's played more football over the last five years than anyone else on the whole entire planet. And any other two players combined. Yeah, I, I, Callum McGregor. Yep, again, just in there. Uh, the midfield, the Diamond 4, I thought he was probably the best player, yeah. but I expect that from him now. Aye, I reliable. Scott Brown, a bit worried after that game, but I think he is better in the two than mm. sitting deep. But uh, Callum Gregor gets his goal, slight deflection on it, but Celtic did probably just deserve to be 2-0 up. It was Make your own luck, make yep, your own luck. You have to hit them and it uh, crept in, but uh, McGregor was decent. It just it didn't really seem to go for the other three midfielders. No. McGregor doing that thing that we, uh, he likes finding that corner of the net. Yeah. That, yeah. The wee, the wee shot from outside the box and just poking it into the corner there. I thought it was a decent enough finish. Absolutely. As we said, Patrick Clamalla made his debut, signed only a couple of days before, came on for Lee Griffiths on the about the 80th minute. Um, interesting to see him get a run out. There's been a lot about Patrick Clamara. Celtic have done the announced the signing on TikTok. I had to download a new social media app. I'm trying to get away from social media. I don't yeah. use really Twitter anymore. And then I had to download TikTok to watch the Celtic unveiling. Not worth it. Delete, <laughs> deleted TikTok almost immediately. Um, it was so funny. I put up on our Twitter retooled for TikTok. Spelt TikTok wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what you should have done, really, the only way it could have been any worse is if you said the TikTok yeah. or that TikTok well, or something. T i c k t o c k. That's not how you spell TikTok. Um, lot of social media stuff about him. A lot of his first training session, number eleven shirt, blah blah blah. Came on. I always think it's cruel. I really do think it's cruel giving someone a debut. 
especially a game like that, but giving someone a debut with 10 minutes to go, Stephen, like, yeah. You're like, oh, at least he gets a run out and people get to see him. But from his point of view, he's probably wanting to make an impact. He's wanting to score. And then yeah. when he does start his first game, some of the goodness out of that debut has been taken out by that wee cameo. It's nice to get it at home for a lot of these players, yeah. isn't it? The big reception, maybe even unveiled or whatever. They get the bio one, oh, <laughs> the Undertaker. Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it gets the, the bandage off. It gets him involved um, very early on, getting used to his teammates and all that. But I, I do like, I do agree. I like to see the home the home debut, get the get the crowd right behind him. Oh, George Cadet. Yeah, of course. Um, it's... As, as far as contribution goes, very hard to judge. He yeah. was very cynically fouled by a party Thistle player who basically just booted him up in the air after he got away from him a wee bit. So other than that, not an awful lot to report on. Pish, another project. Get, <laughs> get him binned. Uh, get Griffiths in the team, etc. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad I'm glad he's here. Um, and I'm sure we'll see more of him in the, the coming weeks. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Another man that we've seen that's like a new signing. He's only got four <laughs> months left on his deal, but Neil Lennon did say back in November that he hopes to keep on one next yeah. season. So that's not been that's not been done, although you think that's something that could be arranged this this uh, this week. Um, How much is that flown in? I know. Two year Arzani loan is basically unbelievable. Uh, Daniel Arzani came on for a cameo. Did he come on for Rogic? Yeah. For his countryman, Tom Rogic. Uh, what do you think of old Arzani, Miller? you think there's a future there for him? A bit like Clamalla, it's hard to tell. In the, the very little we have seen him before, there was flashes of brilliance, but he was playing the number 10 here, and he have to probably think he, I think he's a winger more than a number yeah, 10, so yeah. it's difficult to see how he would fit into that formation. But I think it was just about getting some minutes in his legs, mm. maybe the same for Clamalla, but neither had real time a sparkle at all the, the pitch wasn't great either to be fair and by that by the time they came on it was just about seeing that game out and hoping to get to the end of the game 2-0 wasn't to be though no no it wasn't I just uh, a quick thing on Rosani obviously it's been what a year since since we've seen him we played yeah just over a year since he played against Dundee but I remember at the time thinking I was all in on Arzani at the time because he looked absolutely brilliant in that 20 minute spell yeah. or whatever he played in Bill Barrichter yeah loves a nutmeg and then get brutally injured and then that was basically all she wrote for that one but it's good to see him back hopefully it can be extended if not worst case scenario get a good four months out of him and see uh, him off yep Celtic didn't manage to have the clean sheet uh, once it was all said and done Partly this will manage to get themselves a penalty. It's pushing it. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what what uh, what interested me was that the penalty incident that Alan thought wasn't a penalty for Celtic, <laughs> this one was less of a penalty <laughs> for for Partick this one. Oh, absolutely ridiculous. Um, who was it? Zanata. Zanata yeah. went through. A nice touch, he took him away from the keeper and then just made a mess of it. He just screwed it. He got a wee helping hand from Julian as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Poor, poor defending from Julian. The game, his debut, Julian, against Dunfermline, he did right. that in the first so couple did. of minutes yeah. as well. So against those championship teams, he likes to give a wee helping <laughs> hand, doesn't he? But <laughs> he's, he's charitable in that way. It was uh, some going from uh, Frimpong to get back and make that absolutely tremendous yeah. tackle. It, it should have been spoken about more if he had to stop the goal, but, well, if he had to stop, he did stop it, but the ref decided it was a penalty, which is crazy. Well, it was the very last kick of the ball, basically. Yeah. It was too late in the game. Fissel, probably, no, nah, they didn't deserve it. They didn't have many chances. I think it would have been 
I mean, it would have been controversial anyway, but the fact that the two penalty incidents happened in the same game with the same player and neither of them were given correctly, I think has ramped it up a little bit because, as you say, Mel, it was, the game's gone at that point. Yeah. No one really would have cared all that much. But to come away with two incidents, two very similar incidents, well, two opposite incidents, in fact, was, was ridiculous. The penalty itself, no, the penalty incident itself, rather, nowhere near it. Never a penalty in a million years. It... He was there, he was on the scene with Zanata, but what you would say about that if you were a cliche-filled commentator would be, he did enough to put him off. Mm. That's it. That's all he did. He was there, he made his presence felt, and the guy went down. And He was already going down because he screwed his shot wide as well. So, and absolutely, again, I used the, the phrase earlier, an absurd decision. It was nice of Celtic, first podcast of the new, give us something to really get really excited about, you know? I think that's what was so disappointing because of the wait to get there. A team like Fistle, we'd already battered them 5 Well, it's 7-1 in aggregate. Yeah. Because <laughs> you wanted to get a couple of early goals and then maybe give Ozani and Klamala half an hour, 20 minutes and try and get themselves a goal. But wasn't to be. And look, end of the day, it's another cup victory. We're through to the next round. One game at a time, as I say, but we're going to need to play a lot better from now on. I thought Thistle were, were all right as well. They, well, they were much better than they were at Celtic Park earlier in the season. Yeah. But that was, what, a day after Ian McCall had taken back uh, charge of Partick Thistle. I thought they, they were all right. They made it difficult for Celtic. There was one moment in the first half where they actually played themselves out of their own box really impressively. It was a nice wee passing move and end up getting down their right-hand side. And uh, I'm in a group chat with a, a Partick Thistle supporting mate. And I was like, do you know what? Partick Thistle look all right here. And he basically just replies saying, thanks. <laughs> always always enjoy a patronising message <laughs> telling me you're, we're not as shite as you thought. <laughs> Celtic are, of course, throughout the next round to play Clyde. What Four, could go wrong there? <laughs> 14 years on, we head back to Broadwood uh, to take on a Clyde team that contains Paul McStay's son. Oh yeah, of course uh, that's right. Um, Celtic have already played Clyde this season. They played Clyde in a Colts game. Daniel, that was the game. Danny Lennon decided 50 to fifty year old, yeah, to take to the Silver pitch. Fox. Uh, God knows that. You think he'll do that this time around? He may, may do. <laughs> Playing them tomorrow in the Glasgow Cup. The development squad are as well. Oh, are they? That's so right. we're, we're going to see a lot of Clyde this season. Um, straightforward just dispatch them Neil Lennon said I remember after that game 14 years ago that he never wants another day like that in football so let's make <laughs> yeah. sure that's not repeated uh, I was thinking perhaps we could get is it away at home? away oh is it away I was going to say well maybe Clyde could fork out get do way over <laughs> to do the half time <laughs> yes, draw Whilst the Christmas and New Year holidays were taking place and Celtic are away on their break, as I've already discussed, we uh, the Patreon content kept coming. Yeah. And for those patrons, we sent them a challenge on their Christmas holidays. We said, come back to us with the team of the decade. And, and how we came up with this team of the decade was, we picked a formation that Celtic had mostly played this decade, 4-2-3-1. Thought that was fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Us three, me, you and Stephen, Melly, we shortlisted players into groups and got the patrons to pick the player from our shortlisted group so this is the team that the patrons came up with and we'll just have a bit of chat about it tonight just to end this first pod of 2020 to see how you guys feel about it Fraser Foster claims the number one jersey obviously beating close runner up Arthur Boric yeah yeah Fraser Foster no arguments here I did say on on a recent podcast, I think it was after the re- in fact after the cup final. I said actually, I said that that performance had edged him into not maybe the top spot, but Celtic's players of the decade. If you take into just his body of work, despite having been away for about four or five years, I think overall sensational decade for Fraser Foster. Uh, you look at Lazio, you look at 
Barcelona first time around that cup final the Fraser Foster cup final no arguments here uh, the number one shot Fraser Foster yeah he's played more than most other players it probably yeah. probably be between him and Gordon for the decade Gordon uh, deserves an honorary mention appearance yeah. wise but Fraser Foster brilliant first time and he's came back and he's just slotted straight in away deserves his spot yeah. for him to take it sorry Jimmy just for him to take it obviously a big factor in this decade in the, and indeed the team of the decade is going to be that there's an invincible treble in there yeah. and they're very strongly connected to it so Craig Gordon does deserve a sort of honorary mention not good enough to make it in ahead of Fraser Foster but there's no shame in that but he, he did he did brilliantly for the three or so years he was in left back slot uh, was far and away the winner was Kieran Tierney on that one he took the left back position <laughs> who was he up against probably just as a Geary <laughs> yeah. yeah so far and away the winner for Kieran Tierney yeah, um, he started the decade well it has to be said he uh, yeah. very early in the decade but uh, only one winner uh, Kieran Tierney obviously people have got mixed feelings about him now he's not had the best of time at Arsenal I actually saw recently that in the last couple of days, Arsenal are trying to sign a new left back from yeah. PSG, probably down at more injuries that Katie's suffered rather yeah. than anything else. But um, yeah, he's he's not really set the heather light down south. Very unlucky, but he'll be back. He'll yeah. be in the starting team next season, and he'll be absolutely smashing. Um, centre halves, two centre halves up for grabs here. There was Va- only only one spot really up for grabs, wasn't there? Yeah, because Van Dyke <laughs> yeah. absolutely marched Swept it. The yes. Yeah, and right and rightly so. Um, Virgil Van Dyke has went on to have a stellar career since leaving Celtic. Um, he, he, he's going to go far, that boy. I think he will. Aye, yeah. aye, aye. Someone should ask Tom English what he thought about Van Dyke. <laughs> here. Um, the other slot controversial indeed. There was one more slot left. Well, give us the heats. It was a. It was a for the final centre-back position. It was a toss-up, really. Very close between Christopher Ayer, Jason Denier, eh, Dedrick Boyata, and there was actually a lot of support for Steve McManus, who sneaks in. <laughs> Something of an admin error. Uh, really. Yeah, <laughs> sort of uh, like Indiana Jones getting his hat out from underneath the clothing thing. Steve McManus, who played one game in January 2010 and then yeah. left for Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, he was here at the beginning of the decade, so he Very does true. count. Um, Kelvin Wilson's in there as well, obviously, with 5% of the votes. No one, no one rated Big Kelvin. Other people never even made the cut. Um, so listeners, who do you think won that? It was Ayer, which was yeah. surprising to me. I mean, he has contributed... there's a reason for that. Well, he has contributed a lot more than anyone else, but I think, honestly, I think Denier might be the better defender, in my opinion only. Uh, well, Denier was 26% of the vote uh, behind Chris Ayer and 29%, so it's not exactly... Very, very yeah. close it was, yeah. We've seen more of Christopher Ayer. Obviously, Denier probably is a better centre-half, but I think really it's down to the fact that people wanted to wind you up, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dedrick Boyata, was he in with a shout, though? I feel like Dedrick was... Uh, made... Again, I'm leaning towards that treble, the, the trebles. You know? See, I know. if I'm being honest, my partner for Virgil would have been Chuckles McGrew, but I... you didn't put him as a centre-half, you put him as a midfielder. So. Correct, aye. I think that, I think I feel bad that Mulgrew never made this team of the decade, mm. but as Stephen said, that treble treble, the invincible treble, that there's a lot of pull there. There's a lot of pull there. And a guy who was another key part of that team, um, who almost had no competition at right back, was Mikel Lustig. There's your right back, of course. Aye. So who was he up against? Gamboa? <laughs> <laughs> Basically nobody. He had, a, Yanko. he had a clean sweep, <laughs> did, did our Mikel Lustig. Um, midfield two, Two midfield berths, as I says, um, this one was contested between Nier Bitton, Callum McGregor, Victor Wanyama and Ki Sung Young. Mm. Strong, strong. Yeah, yeah. Who was the winner on this one? Do you want to do the reveal, Stephen? It was Callum McGregor with a whopping, a yeah. whopping 78% oh. landslide yeah. uh, 
of vote with uh, Victor Wanyama coming in with all 22% of the rest of it. So zero for your boys, Key and Nier in there. Uh, a bit unfair on near bit on not one single person voting for him but it is a strong field <laughs> it it's is, a yeah. very strong field uh, and to be fair Cal McGregor's played more games than all three of them put together <laughs> yeah, this season, yeah, so. you're probably right you're probably right then the next position was a bit of a controversial one just the way the team was set up you know yeah. that 4-2-3-1 we needed a number 10 uh, in this grouping we had Chris Commons Ryan Christie and Tom Rogic those were our shortlists very close very 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 close 45% of Chris Commons, 10% Ryan Christie, 45% once more for Tom Rogic. So it was an even split. And, oh. to, and to do it, we done a straw poll on the Discord, so we took it up a tier. Yes. And that winner was Chris Commons. Controversial stuff. He <laughs> takes the number 10 spot for his contribution to Celtic. Five league titles, two Scottish Cups and one league title between 2011 and 2017. Are Andy Walker and Craig Burley in this team as well? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they are not. Uh, what do you think of that? You don't think that's fair? Commons scored in his Celtic debut, his Ibrox debut, his Hamden debut. Yeah, personal opinions aside, I think Chris Commons deserves it. I, he was a phenomenal player yes. for, for Celtic. Um, scored a tremendous amount of goals, of course. The the big thing in his last season was that he'd scored almost 100 and he didn't very, didn't play very much in Brendan Rodgers' um first season so the, the talk at the time was are you going to bring him back to give him a send off and all that and then it just went then the rehabs. relationships went off a sour yes, uh, from, well, from that point onwards but relationships got stretched Chris's waistline got stretched <laughs> He preferred golf over football all yeah. the time, went on loan to Hibs. He's still never officially retired, has no, he? No, no. No, he has not. I don't know, maybe that's, <sighs> a, ta- maybe that's a tax thing. No, maybe there's a reason why. <laughs> um, wingers. I think this is where it got difficult because we really made people choose difficult positions here because we didn't give them that 4-4-2 and I know most people would want yeah. two strikers up front. So the left-hand side of midfield, left wing, we sort of fudged it a little bit to give people a chance. So... Samaras, Sinclair and Stokes, three S's up for selection here. George Samaras on 34%, Anthony Stokes on 0%, and, <laughs> and uh, the recently departed subject of our new podcast, uh, Hoops Retrospective, Scott Sinclair, who just left us for Preston North End, whopping 66%, so he's on yeah. the left-hand side of midfield. Fair enough, Melly? I think it has to be. Yeah, that first season was absolutely tremendous, and as you said, the Invincible treble gives people a lot of clout here, and he was a better player than the other two as well. So, what I would even say about this is that you could basically name the entire treble treble team, and then if anyone doesn't make it, yeah, but 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 you could have all of them in there. But well, the invincible treble team, and if somebody isn't in there, it's because somebody just undeniably better has forced their way. And basically, that is the. The spine, not template. Sorry. Yeah, the, the template of the team. That's a better word. Yeah. So Scott Sinclair, very difficult to argue with that. Um, Melly did a a poignant job in uh, breaking down his career on the hoops uh, retrospective, as I said. So um, check that out if you've if you've not had the chance yet. Uh, but definitely Scott Sinclair, hundred percent. What a what a player. What a signing. What a season. One of the best Celtic seasons, certainly debut seasons that I can remember in my lifetime. On right-hand side of midfield, I think we can all tell who is going to win this. Yeah. Uh, not much not much call for Paddy McCourt. Nobody really interested. Paddy Roberts finished second, but it wasn't even a close second. James Forrest from 2010 when he made his debut, which yeah. is important, 
Until now, eight league titles, five Scottish Cups, five League Cups, more medals in his medal cabinet than a medal collecting maniac. Maniac. <laughs> Thanks so much to Melly for bailing me out on that one. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> you like that? New yeah. Eminem album's been out. He can borrow that one if he wants. <laughs> um, no arguments there. James Forrest yeah. is as much as he's probably no one's favourite player. His contribution to this decade cannot be denied, and for the entire decade, yeah. which is important. Is obviously Padgett Roberts came in and was brilliant while he was here. But you can't tell Melly, for the benefit of whistles, <laughs> Melly blessed himself when I said that name. <laughs> so, yeah, Forrest, uh, and again, much like Sinclair, very worthy winner. This is where it gets tricky, mm. because this formation only allows for one striker. And everybody knows there's probably two at the very top, mm. right? And I think that's slightly unfair, because I think there's another man, another, you could argue that this should have been a lot closer than it actually was, because right. the contenders were Dembele, Edward, Gary Hooper, and Lee Griffiths, should have been a lot, lot closer than it was, in my humble opinion. Lee Griffiths only ended up getting 4% of the vote. Right. Gary Hooper only got 5% of the vote, which I thought was extremely unfair. Odson Edward only got 21% of the vote. No, uh, and uh, Moussa Dembele trounced it. Yeah. 70% of the vote, the original king of Glasgow. Long live the king. Um, 70% of the vote, the best striker for Celtic this decade. Who needs luck when you've got 70% of the population on your side? <laughs> That's a, that is another landslide for, for Moussa there. Um, difficult to argue with. Griffiths is in there with a shout, he scored a, a lot of goals, but he's just... There's no shame in it. He's just not Mr. Dembele. No. Odson Edward, again, deserves an honourable mention, but he's just... Can, can I ask you something, right, about Mr. Dembele and Odson Edward? Do you think Odson Edward benefits from being part of that peak Brendan, mm. high-flying, everything-going-well Celtic team? Do you think he benefits from having more of a personality than Edward? He was a bit more flashy. Whereas Edward is, is an arguably not as good a Celtic team... I think, honestly, I think Edward might be the better footballer. I think Edward might be the better footballer. I think he probably is better technically, but Edward to me, more his game. Uh, more. Do you think so? Because Edward to me, I mean, Edward to me is starting to maybe remind me, not not like Henri, but he's, that, he's got a bit of class, he's got the touch. I, just, I don't doubt that. I love the way Edward plays going down that left-hand side and right foot in at the far corner, but just think about Dembele announcing himself, hat-trick against Rangers, header from a corner turns uh, Senderos for a hot dog lovely bit of skill Lefty. pace to get away and a finish with the right foot and then the final one ball over the top controls it left foot finish there's your perfect hat-trick he's just had everything in his game I know I know I know um, so the winner there was Moussa Dembele who crowns our team of the decade up front now you might be listening to this and you might be thinking Oh, right. Jamie. Count your fingers here. here. <laughs> oh, Jamie, that's only 10 players. <laughs> yes, well, we thought we would leave somewhat the best to last. We wanted to also crown our player of the decade. And, of course, that can really only go to one man, Stephen. Indeed. So, the uh, a double winner here. Um, he wins his both his position and the overall player yeah. of the decade. Are you interested in the position just while I talk about it? He was up against Cham, Johansson, mm-hmm. Joe Ledley and Stuart Armstrong. Now, honestly, I think some people are mental here. Not that Scott <laughs> Brown got 96% of the vote. That's fair enough. But no votes at all for Cham, Johansson or Ledley. Just 4% of people thought Stuart Armstrong deserved the player. To me... You, 
Look, you're entitled to your opinion. You pay your money on our Patreon. You can do what you want. Mischief, I think. Yeah, but you're sitting there thinking that Stuart Armstrong is a better player than Joe Ledley. (laughs) 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 Not not for me, not a chance. Yeah, we haven't said the name yet, but of course, of course, it's Scott Brown. Oh, I'm going to sing it. Yeah, yeah, 96% of the vote. That's like one of those questions you get on Pointless where people are asked to name a certain monument from just the picture and it's a picture of the Eiffel Tower and it's like 97%. So there was three people in that audience who didn't guess what the Eiffel Tower was. For some reason, Scott Brown hasn't swept the board in that category. There, yeah, you're right, Jamie. There could only have been, much like Highlander, there can be only one. There can be only one. Yeah. 2007, Melly, still playing at Celtic, still Maybe the first name on the team sheet. Nine league titles, five Scottish Cup, six league cups, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> um, there's no denying that Scott Brown is quite simply the player of the decade. He's Mr. Celtic at the moment. He is the defining player of this era, undoubtedly. Uh, his contribution to the team from someone whose career trajectory was maybe we've paid a bit too much for him. He's brilliant. He's not so good. His legs have gone. Now he's undroppable. That is some career he's had. Um, and he doesn't show any signs of giving up at the moment, does he? He does not. And I was trying to think there, what am I going to say after this? You have covered every single base there. That's the why I'm here, mate. Is a phenomenon. Maybe he'll be, what, 35, 36 yeah. in the summer. So we could be seeing the last of him. But what a servant he's been. What a player, captain. He's a legend, and that you don't get many of them these days. We said it before in this podcast, Stephen, that the word legend gets thrown about willy and indeed nilly. <laughs> um, but the, the point about Scott Brown is he is one of these players that, you know, if you have kids or you're at our age, you're watching Celtic and you're telling your kids you're going you're gonna to be talking about how he bossed at Ibrox, how he won all this, how he's done the Bruni, how he's just, you know, he's just a, he's a phenomenon, as Melly said. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you make a good point when you're in your, you. your lovely intro um, or your lo- lovely monologue about uh, Scott I was going to say eulogy, but he's not oh. dead. <laughs> yeah, it's not. You make a good point in that the decade wasn't perfect for Scott Brown. He did, he did have his ups and downs and everyone, rightly or wrongly, had begun to write him off under Ronnie Dyler, but to recover in the way he has is testament to the man and he, he thoroughly deserves this this prestigious award. He couldn't be here tonight no. in person to pick it up, but we'll, we'll send it out to him. Did you hear a beeping there? Yes. Yeah, I was wondering what it was. Turns out it's this watch I got for Christmas. Look, it's got a light on it. Oh, a Casio. Is it one of those <laughs> is cal- a Casio? Calculator ones. It's a G-Shock, but it's got a light on it. Is it one of those ones you can use it as a remote control? It's I to wind up the teacher when you're teaching telly. Um, there is obviously one more accolade, or three more to go. Um, manager of the decade. Mm. Again, some people have their own thoughts about this, but we put it to our thousands and thousands of patrons, and they came back out of the three managers up for shout, where Neil Lennon, Ronnie Dyla, and of course Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rodgers wins it on 61%. Ronnie Dyler only getting 4%. Don't know who voted for him. Uh, and Neil Lennon on 36%. Now, that's a contentious one. Who is the best manager of the decade? I think it's fair to say Brendan Rodgers is the best manager. Who's given more to Celtic this decade? 
probably Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon from 2010 to 2014, he's left, he's come back last year, he's won four league titles, three Scottish Cups and a league title. Brendan Rodgers, three league titles, two Scottish Cups and three league cups. The, one of the league titles has a slight asterisk yeah. next to it because yeah. he, he went and buggered off before the I end of it. I can't remember if I gave both Neil Lennon and Brendan Rodgers those league titles. Right, okay. so doesn't really matter. an extra it, title for yeah, <laughs> doesn't really matter at this stage, it's been decided that yeah. Brendan Rodgers is manager of the decade. Again, heavily covered by the, the Invincible treble the treble treble a lot of recency bias on this I think it's slightly unfair to Neil Lennon maybe I think he's given more to the club but there's no denying merely that Brendan Rodgers is the better manager yeah well the invincible treble was probably the best season I've ever had as a Celtic fan it was absolutely phenomenal for a guy to come in and turn that team around because it was on its arse and go unbeaten for the full season never seen it before probably never see it again so fair enough but he did walk out and Neil Lennon walked back in. So I would like to see it a bit closer, but he, he probably rightly wins it. People jokingly refer to managers and their tenures as a revolution, but that's exactly what it was under Rodgers. It was, it was a revolution uh, that first season in particular. You only need to go back a few months to remember what Celtic were like under Ronnie Dyla. And I, I don't mean, I don't mean to have a go at Dyla here, but the, it wasn't great the previous season to turn it around. With only a handful of somewhat expensive but very astute signings to turn it into what it was deserves immense credit. And I do agree with both points here. I do agree that Lennon has given more to the cause over the course of the decade. But as far as the manager of the decade, I think I think I agree. I'm putting it, putting personal feelings aside. Much like Commons, I'm sweeping that aside. <laughs> I need to be professional about this. Uh, aye, I'm going for Rogers. We also asked the patrons to decide because, you know, if we're doing a team, a team need a strip to play in. So he says, give us your your favourite home and away kits of the decade. And I think they actually nailed it. Stephen, you're looking very proud in yours. <laughs> I'm wearing it right now, yes. Home kit of the decade. That was decided to be the 50th anniversary of yes. the Lisbon Lions, the New Balance one. Was that with the gold trim that's there? Is that yes. the second New Balance home kit? Actually, that was, um, sorry, I, I correct myself. It was Brendan Rogers' second yes, kit. Yeah, it was yeah. the third Third of the new balance. I was having a look back and it's a double treble, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was thinking like I'm not too happy recently with the new balance efforts, but some of the home kits have grown on me. The first one was good, the second one wasn't good. That one you've got very simple with the gold trims, absolutely excellent. Yeah. That, that's that was that classic. got my vote. That a future vote. classic. Um and I didn't like this season's or last season's, but I do like them now, Melly. What do you think of this one? Stephen's modelling the, the 50th anniversary gold trim. Nice muscle, Stephen. Is there? <laughs> no, yeah, there. Off you. Put me <laughs> off. Uh, yeah, that's my favourite. That and the ninety-five, ninety-six home tops are my two favourite home strips we've ever had. So yeah. no arguments from this bear. And to finally wrap up, we asked the patrons to vote on their favourite away kit. Any memorable away kits for you, Melly, that you want to discuss this decade? Because for me, there was only one winner. Uh, the winner is the one I would pick. The only other one, maybe the green that went along with that strip. Stephen's wearing the, the pinstripe green. No, the green with the collar. It was uh, sort of green and dark green hoops, yeah, yeah with the collar and also gold trim. I, I, I haven't minded quite a few New Balance away strips. I think they've stre- yeah, I think their strength has been in the away ones rather than homes. Mind that time he went to the Celtic shop a, a week before <laughs> the January sale and paid full price for all of the shit. <laughs> I know, impulsive stuff. Um, but yeah, so the winner is the winner is the black absolute beezer oh, of a yes. of a kit um, that was another anniversary was that the 
125th. 125th anniversary, yes. which 125th isn't really a thing, actually. <laughs> really. Um, the black striped Celtic away one, you turned the collars up behind oh, the tricolour. Yes. It's a belter of a strip. If Adidas servers making the next strip have any sense, they would bring a strip back like that. You try to buy that one on eBay, it'll set you back about 80 quid. Mm. Absolutely obscene. But it's it's the away kit of choice for me. I think the patrons absolutely nailed that home and away kit yeah. selection there. Yeah. And that is it. The team of the decade. Fraser Foster, Kieran Tierney, Van Dyke, Christopher Iyer, Michael Lustig. Player of the decade, Scott Brown, Callum McGregor. Commons, Sinclair Forrest, and up front, Dembele. Managed by manager of the decade, Brendan Rogers. That is the 20-minute team. Formidable. Terms. Very formidable. 4-2-3-1, team of the decade. And on that, we shall end this podcast, the first of 2020. We will be back each week with this, the flagship podcast. Yes. But if you would like some more of our delicious quality content, you can find that on patreon.com slash 20 minute tims for where the price of less than a coffee, um, less than a beer, less than most things, you can get lots and lots of extra podcasts from us and take part in things like Teams of the Decade, yes, etc. But most of all, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.